Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody and welcome to Gamecock Central Radio. Emerson Phillips joined by our columnist Scott Davis for a look at this week's column that's on the website right now. Dropping the anchor is the headline. We invite you to check it out. It is on the website right now, and Scott joins us here on GCR. Scott, how you doing this weekend? I'm doing great, Emerson. Uh, nice to be with you. It is nice to be back in the winning column. You know, it's been two weeks since the Gamecocks have played a football game. They had a game canceled by a hurricane, and then the week before that, they were routed at home by Georgia, and so there was not a great taste in the mouths of Gamecock fans across the state of South Carolina and everywhere else. It was nice to head up to Nashville to play a team that really has always been kind of a pesky thorn in the side of South Carolina. They usually defeat the Commodores, but they have often struggled to do it. A lot of the games have ended up being nail-biters. This one was not a nail-biter. South Carolina dominated Dandy. They really could have beaten them even more soundly than they did. But, uh, you know, uh, a convincing, dominant win on the road in the SEC, and that just puts a little hop in your step as you get ready for the week. You're exactly right, boy. There were not good feelings among Gamecock fans after that Georgia game, and they continued into the week of the Vanderbilt game here because Carolina didn't play last Saturday. Like you said, the hurricane canceled the Marshall game. So, Scott, uh, heading into Nashville, you said that there was a whiff of satisfaction in the air among Mm. Vanderbilt fans in Nashville. There really seemed to be, and and not just with Vandy's players and coaches, but also just throughout the – the media who covers the SEC, there just seemed to be the sense that Vandy suddenly was potentially going to be a giant killer, somebody who might ruin somebody else's season in the SEC this year, uh, a team that was going to be competitive all year long. Derek Mason's finally got them going. These guys look like SEC athletes. We were hearing all of that stuff this week. For the simple reason that Vandy went to South Bend last week and was competitive with Notre Dame, did not win the football game, uh, but looked pretty good up there and and hung around with the Irish, and that seemed to lead a lot of people to believe that all of a sudden Vandy was ready to certainly not contend for an SEC East title, but perhaps to be one of those teams that is going to be a tough one to battle week in and week out, and that would certainly go to a bowl game, and the Gamecocks just strolled into Nashville and, and completely and thoroughly dominated them. And, you know, if you follow South Carolina football for a long time, like I have, you know that blowouts on the, the part of the Gamecocks just don't happen very often. They, they rarely just go into a stadium, particularly on the road, and just outclass somebody from beginning to end. But that's what they did on Saturday, and like I said – this game could have been much, much more humiliating for Vanderbilt. Had a couple of different things going South Carolina's way. 
So Vanderbilt seemed to feel pretty good about itself after the performance at Notre Dame, even though they lost the ball game. And you write in your column this week, Scott, that when you feel pretty good about yourself, often disaster is probably lurking just around the corner. It it, it happens all the time. You see it with a program that hasn't been, you know, successful historically. If they if they get a big win, or in Vandy's case, a close loss to a historically elite team like Notre Dame, all of a sudden you start thinking you've turned the corner and you've arrived. And as much as I hate to say it, South Carolina has found itself in that position. I can't can't count how many times since I've been following this program. I mentioned in the column the fateful story of the Gamecocks' biggest win, I still believe, ever in the history of the program, given the, given the circumstances. Over Alabama, the Tide ranked number one in the country. They'd won something like 20 consecutive games. I can't remember coming into that thing in 2010. Gamecocks really outplayed them in every phase of the game that day, uh, beat them fairly easily, and then turned around, went to Lexington, compiled a decent first half lead and collapsed and lost that football game. So I know how it feels to uh, feel pretty good, you know, let your hopes soar and all of a sudden find yourself right back at square one, and that's where Vandy is today. So, Scott, on that note, after you watched the Gamecocks trounce Vanderbilt 37-14, you flipped over and watched uh, the Kentucky Wildcats upset 14th-ranked Mississippi State. Kentucky's 4-0 and 2-0 in the SEC for the first time since 1977. And Kentucky fans mm. feeling pretty good about themselves right now. They they really seem to be, and I get it. You know, Kentucky, I was stunned by that stat, Emerson. 2-0, it's been over 40 years since Kentucky was 2-0 in the SEC. That That is shocking to me. I, I just... You know, I know we're talking about Kentucky, a team that, you know, really has been kind of a, a cellar dweller for most of its existence in the SEC in football, but still, that is a stunning number to me. But none, nonetheless, two very solid wins for Kentucky. There's, there's absolutely nothing whatsoever to be ashamed of. They beat Florida, who turned around and routed Tennessee last night. And they beat a very good Mississippi State team. So in no way do I want to indicate the Kentucky fans shouldn't feel good about where they are or that they shouldn't be happy to be 4-0 and 2-0 in the SEC. I certainly know that Kentucky is a potent threat. They've beaten South Carolina four years in a row. So I'm not downplaying their uh, accomplishments this, thus far, but I do see some eerie similarities between where they are and where I've seen the Gamecocks so many times in the past. Emerson Phillips here on Gamecock Central Radio with Scott Davis, our columnist. Scott's headline this week, Dropping the Anchor. We invite you to read Scott's article that's on the website right now. And, Scott, uh, World Star Hip Hop Street Fight Game Balls of the Week. First of all, explain the namesake of the Game Ball Awards this week. Yeah, there's this crazy website called World Star Hip Hop, and a lot of what's on there is just a collection of people taping fights, these things breaking out in McDonald's or, you know, on the street somewhere. And I'll be the first to admit that a person of my age should not enjoy watching these, but I, I've actually referenced these in my column once before, so this is the second time I've touched on this. Sadly enough, I do watch these every now and then, but what made me think of them was, 
Then he coached Derek Mason, deciding to this. This is after he has uh, in his post game interview after the Notre Notre Dame game, really uh, almost <laughs> making it sound like he wanted to step outside with Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly. And then referred to this upcoming game with South Carolina as a street fight, bare knuckle brawl, and other phrases like that. And um, the Gamecocks, for whatever reason, really, really did not enjoy um, <laughs> Coach Mason's comments. Many of them referenced them after the game. And not only that, uh, it was very clear that Coach Will Muschamp had talked about that to the players. He was very aware of those comments. He didn't specifically speak to them, but it was very obvious by his reaction that he knew about them and thought that it was somewhat funny considering the Gamecocks came into Vanderbilt Stadium and rushed for 273 yards. So even Jake Bentley, who never gets into this kind of stuff, made a comment about we would have played him in a stadium, a street, anywhere they wanted to do it. Um, So the Gamecock players were very, very riled up by these comments and my point in the column in giving that a game ball was, to me personally, honestly, Emerson, I didn't really think the comments were that big of a deal. But if it made the Gamecocks get fired up, and it clearly did, then let's turn everything into a declaration of war of sorts. <laughs> Just search for reasons to find something to get mad about. If that's the kind of performance that it's going to get out of you. And that was the Michael Jordan philosophy, Scott. You mentioned that in your mm-hmm. column this week, and that was exactly what I was thinking of when I was reading that. That's kind of how Michael Jordan looked at things. It, it absolutely was. It fueled his entire career. This guy would remember that, you know, somebody maybe shoved him in a game when he was back in college in North Carolina, and then seven years later in the NBA, he, he would go out of his way to embarrass that person on the floor. And so. He just turned every single thing that ever happened to him into in his life into a slight that he needed to overcome and overwhelm, and that made him the greatest NBA basketball player of all time. So if the Gamecocks need to do that, then let's you know get get into the newspapers this week and see what we can find that Kentucky is saying and turn that into fuel for the fire. And for all the young people listening today, the greatest basketball player of all time is Michael Jordan. It's not LeBron James. LeBron's a great player, but the GOAT is Michael Jordan. There's no disputing it here here on this podcast. (laughs) All right, so, Scott, uh, world star, hip-hop, street fight, game balls the week. Plenty of them to go around. Derek Mason's comment, the street fight, that strange street fight comment, the first one. Carolina has now beaten Vanderbilt 10 straight games, and the Gamecocks look great. Four different players, Rico Dattle, Shai Smith, Javon Kinlaw, and Bryson Allen Williams all get game balls from you. Yeah, and they've all been, you know, I think lauded elsewhere throughout the media, so I didn't want to rehash all of their accomplishments because I think everybody knows those guys came to play on Saturday, but particularly exciting to see Shy Smith out there, you know, racking up some huge yardage catching the football. He's a guy that Gamecock fans have been excited about and believed he could be a weapon, and he showed very much so that that can be the case on Saturday if they can find a way to get, you know, get the football in his hands. Rico Dowdle over 100 yards rushing. You know, I lauded him before in the column, but he his style of running just is something that Gamecock fans enjoy. And Javon Kinlaw had an unbelievable um, couple of quarters there in the middle of the game. He just seemingly was in the backfield on almost every single play, and I know those are the kinds of things 
that excited a defensive coach like Will Muschamp. All right, uh, being hard-headed about running the football, you mentioned 273 on the ground for the Gamecocks. That was a point of emphasis for Gamecock head coach Will Muschamp heading into the game. He said over and over again that, that South Carolina was just going to have to run the ball, really whether they wanted to or not. I, you know, I, I, I understood his comments, but the reality was that Georgia game slipped away so quickly that there just wasn't much of an opportunity for South Carolina to try to establish a running game, but this week provided that opportunity. Anytime you go over 200 yards rushing, you got to be feeling pretty good about what you did. When, you, when you've got 273, you're creeping towards 300 yards rushing, then you've really, really worn somebody out uh, at the line of scrimmage, and that's what the Gamecock offensive line did who also got a game ball of the week that's right you run for 273 obviously your group up front's doing a good job so the Gamecock O-line gets a game ball this week and a couple of others not necessarily uh, Gamecock related Pac-12 after dark late night football on TV gets a game ball and I like that as well Scott and the Atlanta Braves uh, you live in Atlanta and there are a lot of Braves fans Mm -hmm. in South Carolina so the Braves get a game ball this week also yeah I was really happy about that I went to some Braves games last weekend if I could have found a way to get over there this weekend I probably would have tried to do it too but uh, I've been a lifelong Braves fan wrote about that in a column a couple months ago so that was exciting and um, you know I've always been a fan of sports being on in the middle of the night anytime I can have that happen I'm excited about it it was awesome to flip over to a game the caliber of Washington and Arizona State kicking off at 10 30 or thereabouts so you know, it wasn't like I had to make do with Fresno State and uh, some directional school. It was actually a really marquee game that started late, and I love it. Yeah, and you mentioned the British Open uh, starts at 4 a.m. Eastern time every year, the, the golf <laughs> tournament. That's your favorite major. And just a few weeks ago, Scott, I it was is. watching U.S. Open tennis at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, Nadal played a couple of marathon matches at night, and I was watching some Absolutely. of that late night, so I could certainly relate to – the Pac-12 after dark getting a game ball this week. That was fun. A couple of deflated yeah. balls, Scott. Uh, even though the Gamecocks dominated this week, weather delays is one. And I'm going to let you mm-hmm. take the stage here with ESPN's college game day crew. They get a deflated <laughs> ball. Well, you know, I've praised Emerson College Game Day multiple times on the column and in this podcast. I've said many, many times that it's the only pregame show in sports broadcasting history that matters. It, They've realized very quickly that the thing that makes college football so important and so much fun is the passion of the fans. So they tapped into that, brought the broadcast directly to the fans, incorporated them into it, and just became a part of the fabric of college football Saturdays. So I love those guys, but they had a rough day on Saturday. They they really um, there was a very strange segment about midway through the show where. They just seem to be trying to convince one another that the ACC wasn't really that bad. I don't know what the purpose was or why they it was so important for them to <laughs> to make the Atlantic Coast Conference sound like a pretty good football conference because it's not right now. And anyone who follows college football knows that. And I think one of the things I've always loved about game day is that they don't pull any punches. They always are honest, tell the truth, candid. Maybe you don't want to hear it, maybe you do, but whatever it is, it's usually the truth. And that just wasn't true. They were trying to make cases for Wake, Duke, and D.C. being sort of this new wave of at least somewhat decent ACC teams. And 
Duke beat a lesser opponent on Saturday, but Wake and BC suffered embarrassing defeats. Virginia Tech goes out and loses to a winless Old Dominion team. Um, BCC is not a good conference, and there is no reason to try to convince anyone otherwise. I believe that there are teams in the ACC that could beat South Carolina. Clemson's beaten them you know, several years in a row and may very well do so again this year. So it's not about one or two teams in the ACC being better than my team or anything like that. It's just about being honest, and I don't know what they were doing there. And then to top it all off, all four pickers, including the guest picker, picked the Vanderbilt Commodores to beat South Carolina, which seems sort of mystifying to me. As you said, the Gamecocks entering the game with a nine-game winning streak over the Commodores. It's not as though South Carolina was without talent or not a very good football team. There wasn't one person on that stage that thought the Gamecocks might go into Nashville and squeak out a win. And, of course, they looked exceedingly silly when South Carolina won by more than three touchdowns. So a bad day Saturday for the ESPN College Game Day crew. Bad day for the Vanderbilt Commodores. Not a bad day for the Kentucky Wildcats. Wildcats feeling good about themselves after beating 14th-ranked Mississippi State on Saturday. And, of course, Scott, the Gamecocks have the Kentucky Wildcats coming up next. Well, South Carolina didn't need any motivation at all whatsoever before this week to mm-hmm. play its best game against Kentucky. They've lost four in a row to them. The loss last year, to me, was one of the most disappointing in the last 10 years or so of watching South Carolina football. So they would have been ready to play for this game no matter what. But after – Kentucky has come out and won its first two league games and done so in pretty impressive fashion. They're going to get the Gamecocks' best effort this week. And if you're a Kentucky fan, again, this would be a concern of mine, that you're riding as high as perhaps you have been in recent memory, really. I I can't remember a time when I think Kentucky football has been on a plateau where it is right now. Are they ready to... Uh, ascend that stage and and really seize it by the the horns or are they going to go out there and do something that you might be accustomed to seeing Kentucky football do I just simply raise the question in the column that's all great read this week Scott much appreciate you thank you thanks Emerson enjoyed it that's Scott Davis our columnist dropping the anchor is the headline of his column that's on Gamecock Central right now this podcast accompanies that article every week We invite you to read it in full, dropping the anchor on GamecockCentral.com. For Scott Davis, I'm Emerson Phillips, and thank you for joining us on Gamecock Central Radio. 